who was it? Who could it possibly be? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Satan. Get behind me, Hello and welcome to This Is An Official Godcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. My name is Ron Johnston, and wow, do I have a great plan for everybody tonight. I'm here with Flightworks Mary and Burke, and giving his testimony, we have Boilerman09, Jason Stillman. 
Hey. Hello to everybody. Mary, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm struggling. I'm trying. It's been a rough day. Uh, Mike can attack to this. Uh, spoke to you earlier. It's been a Friday from uh, from the other side, and uh, we're glad it's open. <laughs> That's for sure. Me too. Mike, how are you doing? You with us? I'm glad that today is over with just about <laughs> uh, for those of you who what? don't know mike's my lifting partner and we lifted about four thousand pounds of glass and mirror over uh this west side of michigan the last few days and uh it's, wow that's a lot yeah mike you're a great boss but i really prefer working for god so i'm glad i'm in this seat right now <laughs> amen brother oh man and uh boiler man are you with us yeah can you hear me okay uh, yeah, you're you great. Well, praise great. God. What yeah, so I don't know what I don't know what the deal was. The the link worked when you sent it to me. I was able to join as a host then, but uh, yeah, still can't. I still can't join a podcast via a link, whether it's in Telegram or or email. Uh, I got to wait till it's live and and go in. But I'm here. If you can hear me, that's all that counts. Yeah, you sound great. Loud and clear. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, we're all here, so that's that's a beautiful thing. We're all six feet above. How's everybody in chat tonight? I see we've got with us Maggie Q and Neely. Jack Tart is here. Murphette is here. Insidious. Yeah. Jeff, thank you guys for coming. Jay Straw, Bren. Uh, let me see who else is here. Uh, Flightworks Mary's here. Are you here? She is here. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm just trying to come down from my Friday day at work. I'm like yeah. kind of hairy. But... What's going on? Are you still getting the dishes done? I don't know who's doing dishes. That's not me. <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> well, well, we're all here. Livin's here. Wade Remington is here. Uh, beautiful. Jack Tard's here. Jack Tard. That's Angeline. Bren, she's here. She called. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Oh, we'll try and put this together and make it a great night for you. Um, Boiler Man's here. He's going to give his testimony. It's a beautiful thing. We're very excited about that. Uh, Jason, I have heard so much about you in other podcasts. I've heard you on the Everin Show. I've heard you on Kilted Christian Show. I understand you're his very first guest there. And uh, lastly, I heard you um, on the New Year's Eve show for Barges. And a little bit here, a little bit there. I've gotten to know you. Um, but tonight, we all get to know you very good. So I am very excited about that. Um, there's one of the, one of the biggest reasons, I mean, there's a million reasons why I put this together, but one of the other reasons is just to build a sense of community. We, we all kind of know each other on the surface, but, uh, through our testimonies, we're really going to get to know each other and we're going to grow closer as a community. And of course, that's a beautiful thing. So we're so happy you're here. Thank you, brother, man. Thank you for joining us tonight and volunteering to do this. And Jason is also in our, um, our discipleship program, our shore up program. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Mary, I wanted to ask you any updates this week on the schedule. Did, did we do some updating again? Yes. Update number 725. <laughs> we, have, um, we added Maggie Q's uh, show to the lineup and that's on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, awesome. and that's called Seeking Jesus. 
Yes, and he's going to, um, Kitty, Kitty DeKaren's going to co-host with him on that. And then her, her show, Kitty DeKaren's show switched from Friday to Thursday in the same time slot. And that's Pure Grace with Kitty. And that's at 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Great. And you guys, you guys can find that uh, schedule on our Telegram page. This is an official guest on Telegram. Correct. Among I've pinned our, it in there. So. And our upcoming schedule is on there as well. Uh, January 27th, we're going to have Duncan from Kilted Christian. February 3rd, we're going to have the Conley. And on the 17th, we have Ezra Snow. And in between the 17th and the 3rd, what is that, the 10th, oh, we're going to have a special guest. And we'll, we'll announce that at a later date. But you don't want to miss those shows coming up. Yes. They're going to be great. So we're going to get started. But before we do, Mike, would you please get us into prayer? Yes, sir. Father, thank you for your greatness. Your grace and mercy, Lord, is sufficient for all the things that we face each and every day in a world that is dying. And it is just evil, filled with all kinds of evil that we deal with each and every day, Lord, that we can trust you and we can we know that you're sovereign and in control and we don't have to worry um we can always turn to prayer we can always seek jesus in all things lord and we're just so thankful that you've sent your son to pay the ultimate price for our sin so we may go to heaven and ha have a life an eternal life with you we thank you for that lord tonight we're thankful for jason lord we ask that you would Help him to have a calm heart, calm spirit, and help him, Lord, to speak clearly and that that you would be honored in all that he has to say and all the work that you have done in his life. And we're just so thankful, Lord, that you drew him to yourself. Just be with him as he speaks, Lord, and um, we pray, Lord, that we would be motivated to love you more and to serve you more and to bring glory to you because of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right, Jason, we're going to hand the mic over to you. Uh, feel free to start. Okay. Well, um, so I've, I've done a couple of podcasts before. Like you said, I was uh, one of Duncan's first uh, call-ins. We did a show about homeschooling. I, I might talk about that a little bit more. Um, one thing I noticed about going listening to Duncan's show afterward is I got my words mixed up a couple times. So if something I say doesn't jive with something I've said before, I use the wrong word. Uh, hosts need to call me out on it. So, uh, but uh, um, yeah, Mary's kind of heard my story before. Yes. Yes. So what was that, Ron? No problem. We'll call you out on that. You know, we do waterboarding yeah. here. So we get too out of <laughs> That's hand. Right. That's right. Water. Um, and it wasn't dishes um, that you were hearing. It was actually me putting a piece of wood in the fire because uh, I'm actually out in my garage or my parents' garage. Um, and that's where I'm uh, I'm broadcasting from tonight. So I have some uh, some peace and quiet. So. Oh, um, and you're out. Yeah. I guess um, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, my my family has always been very focused around family. Um, my, uh, I, I was born in uh, East LA. So like that Cheech and Chong song, you know, uh, I think that in actually one of their, uh, one of their 
movies. Uh, they were driving down Rodeo Drive, which is uh, where you turned off of to uh, to go to where uh, I grew up at the first few years of my life. So I was born in Southern California, and uh, um, my mom was a single mother. Uh, she uh, was living with her mother and uh, my uncle, who was still in school, who's 12 years older than me. And yep, we've always had a pretty close relationship. But um, uh, grew up in Southern California, and uh, when I was four to five years old, uh, my grandmother decided that uh, she needed to get her family away from the congestion and the smog and everything else. And so um, she. Um, got online and started, or on online at, at that time, it was you know, newspapers and things like that, and um, found this place up in Eastern Oregon. And uh, so in 1980, my mom and I and my um, next oldest brother, Chris, moved up here to, uh, to Oregon, on our, all on our lonesome. Um, Grandma had been up to see the property. It's, it's, it's six acres here in a little bitty rural town of about 280 people. Um, so we went from South San Gabriel, California, where I was born, um, which is a suburb of L.A., uh, to the Sticks, and uh, and that's where I grew up. Um, so, um, but we we had always been centered around family. Um, um, I might talk about uh, generational curses a little bit later, but um, my grandmother um, was a single mom as well. Um, she divorced my grandfather when my mom was 12. My mom um, has three sisters and a brother. Um, and uh, um, I can't ever remember a time in my life where um, family wasn't important, and especially around the holidays, especially around Christmas and Easter, um, God wasn't important. And so although I didn't grow up and, you know, I can't remember any time, you know, uh, prior to my salvation, um, experience um, going to church, um, I I always knew that there was a God, and that Jesus was His Son, um, and that uh, and and that morality and um, and right and wrong, you know, those those things were always you know always really important. Um, so uh, uh, growing up, family gatherings were really important. We could have spats throughout the year. I can remember, um, no matter the cause, whether it was a miscommunication or somebody actually did something wrong and wronged someone else. Um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter, uh, and even a couple of times Fourth of July, uh, all those things were set aside, and uh, um, we came together as family for the holiday. And uh, um, sometimes if people stayed a few extra days, it didn't go so well, but, uh, as a general rule, um, you know, I can remember looking really back on those, uh, those early years and, um, and that being really, family being really important. Um, so, uh, I'm, uh, I'm the oldest of 11 and I'll talk a little bit more about that. 10 boys and one girl. Um, and, uh, the first three, uh, siblings, um, mom had out of wedlock. Um, and uh, only one of those um, fathers chose to, for a period of time, um, be part of her life. And uh, I do remember that. It was my brother's father, Chris, the next oldest. And uh, for a, a couple of years there, uh, before we left Southern California, he, he, he tried. Um, but uh, um, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't a spiritual leader. He was kind of a drifter, and uh, him and mom fell apart, and so that kind of went by the wayside. 
Um, so we moved up here, um, me and my mom and my little um, pretty much infant brother up here to, to Oregon, drove up here in her 1978 Barracuda and, uh, and drove up here to Oregon to the farm and took it over because my grandmother um, was waiting for my, my, uh, my uncle to get out of school. And so um, that's kind of the, the history of the family uh, moving up here. Um, and um, uh, it's a large family, really. It is. A, it is a large family. Yeah. So my my mom met my stepdad in uh, when I was seven in 1982, and uh, um, dad was or my stepdad um, was a woodsman. Uh, he spent his life growing up in the mountains, and he was a logger, and uh, that's what he did for a living. And so he married my mom in. Um, uh, in the early eighties. And we spent, uh, a few years where, um, uh, we, we lived here with, uh, my, my grandmother lived here up at the property. It's a huge house. It's 1800 square feet, but with an unfinished basement and six acres. And we had cows and chickens and pigs and a huge garden. Uh, my mom and my grandma were, were, were really big into trying to, you know, even back then, um, be as self-sufficient as they possibly could. So, um, you know, and with a growing family. The, reminds me of the Waltons, Jason. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the Waltons. But yeah. um, so that's that's kind of how I grew up. And um, it was, uh, um, again, uh, we had family come around for the holidays. And uh, it, it was every holiday, um, things kind of focused around, especially Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter, um, things kind of focused around the spiritual aspect. And um, we had some some holiday traditions. My um, my grandmother was um, grew up a, around in Southern California around the Hispanic community, and so we had some um, some Hispanic traditions. She would always light lots of candles, um, and uh, and she grew up Catholic. Um, but um, I can remember one of the traditions that we still hold um, in our family is, uh, is that Grandma would always put a candle in the window on Chris or on the, on Christmas Eve. And was supposed to be in, you know, uh, a, a symbol of uh, the um, the innkeeper's wife leaving a light on for Mary and Joseph. And so, um, it's something that uh, some me and some of my other siblings have uh, have always, um, you know, carried on Grandma's tradition. So, um, so it is like the Waltons, totally. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the Waltons. <laughs> yeah. Make me laugh. Um. So. Uh, um, Dad, my stepdad had a, a family friend who was a pastor, uh, was a friend of his a few years ahead of him in school. And he started up a home church when I was about um, when I was about 12 years old. Uh, and uh, at that point in time, um, I can definitely um, relate to Scott and his growing up and the end times philosophy and people going door to door and stuff like that. Because I can remember these these tapes that we would listen to um, on Sunday nights about the end times and um, and uh, some of the evil that goes, goes on in the world. And I tell you what, looking back on them, I wish I would have maybe paid a little more attention because some of that stuff uh, we're seeing come true right now. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, but that was, that was really uh, kind of my first introduction to church and, uh, um, and real spirituality. I had I had made a commitment uh, at eight years old um, in vacation Bible school um, at the little church that's here in town, um, and uh, and went up and and uh, 
gave my life to the Lord. And um, you can imagine in a town of 280 people, uh, we're the middle town. There's three in the community. One's about nine miles north, which is uh, around 2,000 people. One's about nine miles south, which is around 1,200 people. Um, but it's a farming community. And uh, if you don't grow up here, you kind of have to find a way to fit in. And being uh, my dad was a woodcutter and we weren't uh, very prosperous whatsoever. Uh, I never really had a very good chance to fit in. And uh, about that same time, about 12 years old, when we started going to this home church, mom and dad decided that they were going to pull us out of school. And so uh, my, my last year in public school was seventh grade and moms pulled us out and started teaching us at home. And it was a really formative point in my life to be introduced to spirituality and, and to God and to really, the, really at that point, the Bible and the salvation message. Um, at a time in my life when I was, you know, uh, going through puberty and, you know, all of that other stuff that, you know, comes when you're a teenager. And so, um, we, uh, when, when Scott talks about uh, home churches, that's what I grew up in. Um, we started at that home church. Um, by the time I was in high school, we had, uh, we had been to um, another home church, which ended up in the Church of God um, denomination and an assembly denomination, um, and then back to home church again. And so um, I can remember the, uh, one of the highlights of the week was uh, we would go to church and then we would go back to the pastor's house and have potluck. You know, and then, oh. and it was, you know, when we say, when I say home church, we're talking small. Uh, on a, on a good Sunday, we had five families. <clears throat> oh yeah. But, just the neighbors. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. The neighbors from around the community and, uh, but everyone had kids. So, um, there was this huge gaggle of kids and, you know, a few adults. And, uh, so that's kind of how, um, I came to, um, uh, came to salvation. I got baptized. Um, up in the local reservoir um, up here in, uh, I think, April or May, and it was super cold. I just remember getting in the water and getting, getting me back out as fast as I possibly could. Um, May, that's pretty early. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, growing up, yeah, my, like I said, my dad was a woodcutter. Um, and then about the same time, we started spending summers up in the mountains, um, 40 miles away from home. Um, and we lived in a tent. Um, we started out in, uh, in just regular camping tents the first couple of years. And then uh, we got a big canvas army wall tent and put a floor and a wood stove in it. And that actually stayed up all the way through, I, through high school for me. And so how many um, kids did you have up, in there then at that time? In so at, at that, yep. Yeah, so at that point uh, I was actually looking at the numbers so I wouldn't uh, mess my numbers up tonight. Um, at that point, we had uh, seven of my siblings, but then um, for a year, we actually had three of my cousins that were living with us, too. So mom had 10 kids that she was taking care of. Wow. Um, and uh, at least three of those in diapers um, in the mountains in a tent. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so... Um, and then, uh, but but I grew up, uh, you know, uh, and so we did that during the summers. And then um, during the winters, mom and dad would both take odd jobs. And so I was left, um, you know, at home babysitting the kids. When I was 12 years old, I was babysitting seven kids um, all the way down to my infant sister. 
um, you know, and uh, that was an interesting experience. I, I learned to I learned to cook and clean and you know keep the wood stove going and 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 everything <laughs> at a very very early age. Which um, I know from being your friend that you still carry on all of those things. Like you can do oh, a lot. Of oh yeah, things. yeah. So um, part of my struggle against the flesh as I was growing up in those years when I was learning about God was, is, um, is that, uh, I kind of got a little bit of a complex. Um, it, uh, being, being always trying to fit in with, uh, with everyone else in the community and not being accepted just because we were low income and, uh, um, because the community was tight knit. Um, it, it created a really a, a root of bitterness in me that it took me a lot of years to, uh, to overcome. Um, luckily, um, during that time in high school, um, I also, and, and junior high, I also had, uh, my best friend's, uh, dad who, uh, uh, seminary trained. Um, he's now my pastor. Um, but, uh, he, he took me and, uh, my best, but my best buddy aside many, many a night. I can, I can remember many a night spending around the piano, um, at his house and singing worship songs or him just opening up the Bible and, and teaching us. Um, one of the, one of the most important things I think I ever have been taught, um, was by him in those years. And he said, uh, take everything that anyone's ever told you about God in the Bible and throw it out the window and get on your knees and open up your Bible and pray to God and ask him to reveal himself to you through his word. Wow. Um, and that was, that was really formative for me because, um, later on in life, I had to realize, um, I needed to unlearn some of the things I had learned. Um, so you might think it was idyllic, um, like the Waltons growing up in a big family and, you know, on a farm, but, um, there were, there were a lot of, uh, struggles as well. Um, sometime in those same years, um, because we didn't have a whole lot of money, um, and because there was some strife about that, uh, my grandmother, who had lived with us since we moved up here, ended up leaving the farm, moving away, and it created a rift in between my mom and my dad because of finances. And so, in my um, in my late high school years, in in uh, my senior or my junior and my senior year, it started to become physical. Um, and so, um, here I am struggling with, uh, my own, uh, self-worth issues because I don't fit in the community, but then also this person who, um, was my father who had taught me all of these great things started treating my mother, um, poorly. And, uh, I was, uh, 17. It was in the spring, I think April or May, um, and they were having a fight and, uh, I decided I'd had enough. And so um, they're fighting upstairs and I come start coming upstairs from downstairs. And I told my stepdad, you need to leave my mom alone. And uh, he um, basically picked me up and threw me down the stairs and then followed me around into my bedroom and uh, proceeded to get on top of me and tell me I didn't know what I was talking about and punched me in the face. Um, and wow. that was it for me. I couldn't I couldn't stay at home anymore. So. The next day, I got a hold of my buddy. He drove me uh, about 80 miles away to my uncle's place, uh, the one who's 12 years older than me. We'd always been super close. Um, and uh, I went to go live with my uncle. Um, and um, 
it was it was a little bit traumatic for me um, because I started uh, um, hanging around with people that I shouldn't have been hanging around with and doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't in fellowship. Um, I uh, started smoking. I started drinking. Um, I did get my GED and my license, which my parents were strict and wouldn't allow me to get my license, but I got my GED on my own. And, um, but I was hanging around the wrong people. And uh, I just kind of put God to the side. And, um, and for a number of years there, um, it was, um, it was just me against the world and, and, you know, things go bad and you get on your knees and pray, of course. Um, but, um, there was no, there was no relationship there. You know, I, I had kind of, I had, I had turned my back on God. Um, at what age were you so, uh, that, I, at that time? Jason? Uh, well, I left home at 17, I left okay. home at 17 and it took me a number of years. So to come um you know so we'll, we'll start there um i worked odd jobs 17 through 19 uh went to a term of college uh you know still hanging around with uh, the wrong people um but uh um finally um was behind on my rent and didn't know what else to do and so um i uh i actually called up my mom and said hey can i can i move home for a while you know, and that's that was a hard thing to do at 17, but I didn't didn't really know what else to do. Well, in the middle of that, my pastor, uh, my my dad's best friend, who the uh, superintendent for um, industrial contracting company, said, "Hey, well, I'll I'll put you to work." And so uh, uh, he said, "We got a job coming up in three weeks in uh, Ketchikan, Alaska, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna put you to work as a laborer." Um, and I'd grown up um, his his uh, my my buddy's farm. Uh, or his grandparents' farm is where I grew up, and I learned to weld and do mechanic work, and you know, run a cutting torch, and had quite a little bit of construction experience. So I thought, hey, this is a good, good place, you know, good, good start for me. And so, for the next five years, that's what I did. Um, I lived on the road. I did construction work, and anyone who can, who's done lived on the road and tell you, uh, or has done construction work, to tell you that uh, you work hard and you party hard. Yeah. And I did yeah. for five years. That's uh, that was my life. I uh, if I wasn't out on a job working uh, working seven twelves for a month, um, I was home collecting unemployment and uh, smoking pot and drinking and um, and you know trying to uh, relieve whatever residual pain I was uh, I was having in my soul. So um, is this in Alaska then? So no, I worked all over the Northwest. So I worked, uh, oh, okay. I worked in Alaska, California, Oregon, Nevada, um, all over, um, all over the Northwest, um, Alaska quite a few times. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was just uh, shutdowns, and, and that's that's what I did. That's, okay. You know, that, that was what my what my career choice was. But I was still running from God. You know, I didn't. Uh, um, he wasn't a was wasn't a a part of my life at that point. Um, but I got tired of living. Um, out of a suitcase and eating at Denny's because when you're in construction, that's pretty much your life. And so um, I decided I was going to uh, go back to school. So I went back to school and got a degree in industrial maintenance, which is what I've been doing, um, and got a job while I was in school. And while I was in school, still hanging around with the people I shouldn't have been hanging around with. But I met this girl who was uh, a buddy of mine's sister. Um, and we felt the connection and we started dating and about a year, not even a year later. Um, 
we decided that uh, we were going to get married. Um, now, at this point, I was seeking God somewhat because um, I had begun to understand some of the evil that was in the world. Um, this girl that I had been dating um, after a couple of months came to me and told me some of her story. And although I didn't realize it at the time, if you think about any bad thing that can happen to a little girl between six and 19, it, she experienced it Yeah, from a family member. Okay. And so um, it kind of all uh, came to a head. We'd, we'd, uh, we'd gotten engaged um, and, um, and uh, shortly after we got, had gotten engaged, I'd move up to the town that she was living in. And um, she shows up at my door with just bloody face and, and beat the hell up. And I didn't know what to do other than let her in. Uh, yeah. um, and so that was about a month before our marriage. And she stayed with me um, then. And that's when I started finding out more of the story. I had only had a portion of the story before then. Um, so we were married and at the, 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 the first of September and before the end of the month, we were pregnant with my, um, my daughter, Elise, um, that she, she, she wanted kids. And you know, part of the reason that she wanted kids so bad was because of, um, abuse that had happened to her, um, previously. Um, and I was still seeking God, but doing it on my own. We, uh, we went to, I think, two premarital counseling um, sessions before I got married, but um, they were um, pretty uh, pretty light as far as um, as far as content goes. And so, uh, but we were married, um, and my daughter was born, and we were happy. And um, I, uh, I I got a good job at a power plant, and uh, I thought things were going well. Um, and then one day. Uh, my daughter's a little bit less than a year old, maybe a little more than a year old. I come um, home to her absolutely in um, the throes of a depressive episode that I've never, I, I just couldn't understand. And so um, she ended up taking half a bottle of pills that night. Um, and that was the first episode of the next eight years. Um, I dealt with her. Um, trying to commit suicide because of the things that she couldn't deal with in her past um, or wasn't, um, wasn't willing to. Um, and uh, um, they were all hospitalized uh, uh, episodes and it was, you know, I'd have to find somewhere for the kids to go and they'd be in the hospital for a few days and then she'd come home and then it'd be a few weeks of recovery. Um, luckily I was able to keep my job through this time, but during that, uh, we started going back to church, and uh, we thought, thought we found a church that was good, and she started to seem like she was getting better. Um, this is probably after about episode number three. Uh, my daughter's probably about four years old, or five years old, and um, I was on the worship team, and uh, she started getting involved in children's ministry, and I thought things were going really good, and well then, you know, at, at a certain time of year, it just kind of turned downhill again. Um, and, uh, um, I remember after leaving the hospital that time, um, and then a couple days later had to be at worship practice for worship practice. I, you know, started talking to the pastor. I said, Hey, can we talk about this? And, and, uh, he said, well, your, your wife. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, you know, she came in a week ago and was asking if you commit suicide, do you go to heaven? So I gave her some literature. Oh, jeez. 
and um, it, I, I was flabbergasted. I didn't know. I didn't even know how to respond to that. Um, and um, one day uh, after my daughter was born, my son was born, I came home from work, and um, there was a letter on the counter saying that she took the kids and left. And this was shortly after her second inpatient at the mental institution um, visit for the uh, um, for what she'd been going through. And I was devastated and I didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, I, I thought that we had, you know, things were going better. I'm in a church and reading my Bible every day. We're going to Bible study. We got a small group, you know, all, all of the things that you're supposed to do right. Um, but none of it, none of it worked. None of it was working. And um, it took me nine months from that point um, when she left to convince the court to get my kids back. And I know there's a lot of evil in the world. You know, Burke, I know you prayed about that at the beginning, but um, the child protective services and the court systems are a huge evil um, that um, people who have not been through that before don't, you know, don't know how it works. And so, um, yeah, it took me nine months to get my kids back. It was in the middle of the 2008 housing crisis. And so uh, I lost my house because I was paying um, child support that they took directly out of my check with no um, um, uh, review of what my finances were. Um, and so um, lost the house, but in the end, um, ended up getting my kids back. And so since 2009, I've been the custodial parent uh, for my my kids. They were nine and two um, when when I got them back. Okay. Um, so that was uh, that was 2009. So for 2009 to 2014, um, I was a single dad, and that was my focus. That uh, my my kids were my focus. Um, I uh, um, I worked full time. I was able to find a live in nanny or not not live in, but uh, a come over nanny through the church. Um, she would come over shortly after I left for work and be with the kids all day until I came home and she'd take him to school and she'd make uh, Jared meals while he was home. Or then when he started school, he, she took him to school and, um, and my daughter went to an after school program and uh, I thought everything was pretty good. Um, so for some 2019 to, or some 2009 to 2014, I was a, I was a single dad and still, uh, we, I, I had left the church, um, that, uh, had the problems with and uh, started up a relationship with another one still, you know, on worship team and, and uh, I, you know, things were good, but I was lonely. And so in 2014, I, uh, I remarried and um, my wife uh, at the time, we went through six months or better of marriage counseling. And man, I, I thought, man, I'm going to do it right this time. Um, we're going to, um, we're going to make everything happen the way that it, that it should. Uh, and, uh, so, um, we went through, uh, we went through marriage counseling and, and, uh, and, and got married. And, um, during the service, um, part of the reason that I was, you know, lonely is because I needed someone to help me with my kids. Here I am, the custodial parent, the kids are, you know, going over to their moms for, um, for supervised visits every week. And, um, and I was fine with that situation because I knew that they were okay. Um, but, uh, um, that was all to change. Um, about a year and a half after I got married, they took my wife and her new husband, took me back to court and uh, tried to get the parenting plan changed. 
And oh, um, again, there's some evil in the world and how, how they were able to, or not, uh, she's able to get unsupervised visits. And so, um, but I'm st- I was still the custodial parent and still, um, you know, charge of all decision-making. So um, that's... Uh, so, so Jason, and, and, did and your... So that can, yeah, go ahead. Um, did your, uh, did your second wife then, should she have kids too? And that we're kind of a blended family that she no. brought kids into that as well. Okay. No. And she, she was not. And, um, and that's something we, we worked out or I I had supposed that we had worked out, um, during our courtship is that, uh, um, is that we were both, you know, uh, 40 or I was, um, I was 41. She was 40. And, kind of a not the best time to have kids especially since mine were were getting out of the house and um she was on some medications that would almost hear more to not which was what the doctor said before she could uh she could think about having kids and so we decided that we weren't going to have any i think that that decision probably um helps to lead to um the solving of that marriage so um, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, I'm remarried, um, got the kids, uh, changed jobs a couple of times. Um, we changed churches a couple of times, but always in fellowship, always still search, seeking God. Um, we did, you know, thought, thinking that I was doing or we were doing everything the right way. Um, and then, uh, 2016 came around and, um, my eyes started getting opened up to what, some of the things that were actually going on in the world. Um, um, I saw a couple of um, school projects that my daughter had uh, been working on that I wasn't very comfortable with. Um, I started uh, understanding that the media was being more um, uh, dishonest in what they were reporting. Um, and, uh, and so my wife, uh, my new wife, being raised as a liberal, um, although we had thought that we had f- figured all of those issues out, we started becoming divided in just what was going on in the world and what was going on in our home. Um, and um, I was ecstatic when uh, when Trump was was elected because I thought that hey man we got we this is a this is a way we you know that the truth can prevail and you know and and we're we're getting rid of some of the crap that's in the world and she was the exact opposite. And so I think that that, that began some of the schism um, between us. But um, over the next few years, we, although we continued to go to church and sometimes it was forcing the kids to go and I understand more now why that was, but um, uh, we still went to church. We still hung out with our, um, with our Christian friends. Um, we, um, still said prayers around the table at, at dinner, um, but uh, it was like um, it was like turning a, a lamp on in a dark room and the lamp doesn't come on. Just something something wasn't right, and I didn't know what it was, but uh, something wasn't right. So um, I continued to see my daughter um, choose friends that I didn't necessarily um, agree with the people that she was hanging out with, but. I, again, being having so much issues with the court system and dealing with uh, dealing with that and her mother, um, I really didn't want to um, 
press her too hard. I wanted to let her make her own decisions. Um, and I regret that now. Um, but uh, just before COVID 2019 um, in June, uh, my daughter was graduating from high school. Um, we went on a trip to the coast. Uh, my sister and her husband and their little one came. We took my mom and rented a place down the coast and, and uh, thought we had a good vacation and was supposed to be celebrating um, so they're supposed to be celebrating my daughter's graduation. And um, my wife at the time had been going to, uh, um, to night school um, as a teacher to get her uh, teaching certification or master's certification, um, master's degree. And she was doing her thesis on um, uh, um, kids that were, um, that were underprivileged because of society. And we couldn't have had um, very different um, opinions on why those kids were um, were underprivileged. It had nothing to do with their race or their um, uh, financial race or financial their financial status. But it had to, had to do more with choices that, that were made um, for them. So. Um, we so she's working, learning all these things. That yeah, and and uh, we at that point in time we weren't talking very much at all. Uh, we came back from this vacation, and uh, a couple of days later, I came home, and she was sitting at the kitchen table, and she said, uh, um, "Here's the papers. I want a divorce," and she wouldn't even talk about it with me. And I was, of course, devastated again because here is you know, I'm a Christian. I've done everything that I was supposed I was supposed to do right. And um, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 sorry. I'm losing another marriage, and so um, uh, I kept the house. Um, she kept all the good kitchen stuff, um, and um, she had completely abandoned my kids because um, she had made vows to them and our marriage vows as well. Um, but I told her unless that she was going to talk to me about why she was leaving and what. The you know what the issue was that I didn't want her to have any contact with my kids, and so, um, to my knowledge, um, she she hadn't. And that was in June. Uh, my daughter's getting ready to go to um, school in the fall, um, and uh, the day that she leaves, uh, she leaves home. And you know, every dad wants to take their kid to school and you know help them set up their room. And well, she wanted to do it all on her own, so instead, I helped her pack her car. And so we got her car packed and she leaves out of town. And about 20 minutes later, I get a hysterical call on the phone and she'd been in a horrific um, accident. Oh, no. Um, passenger car versus semi, which doesn't usually end up well for the passenger car. But she was OK. And so I went and picked her up and we got all of her stuff that was salvageable um, that wasn't spread all over the highway um, into my truck. And she wanted to go continue on to, um, to school and she wasn't hurt. Um, she had a little stiffness in her neck for a week or so, but that was about it. Um, uh, so I drop her off and I get her, I get her set up and, you know, she was going to Eastern Washington university and I didn't think anything strange about it at the time, but um, they wouldn't even let parents into the dorm rooms. Um, they made you drop everything off outside and the upper freshmen um, were tasked with helping the younger freshmen to, uh, to get their, uh, get their belongings up to their new rooms and everything. Um, and I thought, 
at the time I, I thought, well, that's weird, but I guess, you know, I've never done this before. It's, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal. Um, on the way home, I get a text message from my daughter. That's one of those ones that you got to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll till you get the end of it. And she tells me that she's no longer, um, she's no longer a girl that she, uh, is a boy trapped in a girl's body. Um, but she still likes boys. So she's also gay. Yeah. So weird to figure that out. Isn't and it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I texted her back and I said, I'm going to need some time to process. And so I did, I fasted. Um, I took time, I processed, um, and, uh, a couple months later, uh, not, not two months, not even about a month and a half later, made arrangements and went up and took her out to lunch. And I said, Hey, this is, this is where I stand. This is what God's word says. Um, and I love you and that'll never change, but, um, this is just something we're going to have to agree to disagree about. Um, this is what I believe is true. Um, and I don't know why you're feeling this way, but, um, you know, I love you and I will continue to support your college and support you. Um, but, um, and she says, well, you're going to call me by my preferred pronouns. And I said, uh, no, but I'll choose not to call you by any pronoun and just refer to you by your name. Um, and our communication completely started to deteriorate after that meeting. Um, the text messages got fewer and fewer um, until COVID happened. Um, and um, I was out of work for a couple of months. Uh, well, not, I was, wasn't working. I was one of those fortunate people that still got paid not to work. Um, so, um, but in the middle of that um, was the last time that I ever had seen her. And she blocked, blocked my phone and blocked me from all her social media and won't have anything to do with me. And uh, her and my son, of course, um, they um, have a really close relationship, but um, he won't even talk to me about what's been going on with her. So um, I've tried a number of times, and every time I ask, he just clams up. Um, so COVID was an interesting time for me. Um, I, that's when I started listening to, uh, to bards and, and figuring out what was going on. I, I built my Patriot garden, and I built a chicken coop, and so... The first couple of months of COVID were actually rather productive for me. Um, and um, I. Uh, um, and you've done realized really well that I was not it. going to put my, sc- my son back into school. I, I watched him do some Zoom classes online when they pulled him out of school. And I was like, what is it they're even trying to teach my child? Um, and then in Washington State at the same time, they had um, they had that. Uh, um, uh, the sex ed bill that went in uh, through the Washington legislature that says that it they can teach whatever pretty much whatever they want to any age group in any curriculum and parents don't get a chance to review curriculum. And I said, okay, well, that's enough for me. I ain't putting my kid in school. So I pulled him out. Um, so in 2020, I pulled uh, my son Jared out of school and started teaching him at home. Well, when I let his mother know that, even though I'm the custodial parent, um, they took me back. And so I spent another four months in court on another, you know, a few thousand dollars trying to um, say, well, no, this isn't, uh, this isn't a change in circumstance. This is what I believe. And I have every right to homeschool my kid. And I can remember praying with my mom the night before um, the, uh, we were finally doing the, 
phone call before the judge because at that time it was still COVID and we couldn't go before the judge and just bawling my eyes out. Just I just knew that with all of the other things that I experienced in the system that um, I was going to lose my kid. Um, and to make matters worse, he has he had uh, had also been expressing some um, gender um, confusion issues, and so um, I knew that the school place, just going back to public school, was not the, the place for him. Yeah, um, but amazingly enough, the next day um, after praying and um, I had a piece about it, and and uh, we got on the conference, and the judge sided with my side of the case and said no uh nothing needs to change there's there's no real change in circumstances and uh, jason can homeschool his son and so um uh talk about a, a breath of fresh air yeah praise but, god uh, for that um, yeah praise god for that so um that was the year before bards fest so uh bards fest starts to come around and um i won't i won't get into my bards fest story but there, <laughs> there are some stories there but yeah. we decided we were going to drive all the way across the country me and my son and, and go to bards fest and so we did we hit uh um six different national parks on the way there and back and um uh we he got jared got to hear uh, mike lindell's testimony and steve artist talk about the vaccines um you if any of you were there, my kid was the kid that uh, sat in the hallway with the mask on, um, and and I couldn't convince him otherwise at that time. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, that was us. And he was angry. He was angry the entire time. Um, and just before leaving for Bard's Fest, I I found out um, one of my brothers, um, like I said, oldest of of eleven, ten boys and one girl. One of the, my brothers, right in the middle, had been diagnosed with stage four. Um, throat cancer and it was metastasized and so i went to bards fest with uh, with that laying on my heart um and we had our repentance saturday which was which was pretty important and impactful for me um but we came home and uh i needed to go see my brother so i did who uh the brother who was sick was staying with another brother um out in the joseph oregon area in the Lao mountains beautiful country absolutely beautiful um but he's doing pretty bad. And so uh, my brother, who was he's staying with, needed some help. So I said, well, I'll help. And so I spent every spare moment that I could. I took time, all of my time I could take off of work and, and spent up there with him. And, um, and uh, he eventually ended up passing just after Christmas um, in, uh, in December um, of last year, or two years ago, excuse me. And so um, we had Thanksgiving just before he passed. We were able to get everyone together, um, all, almost all the family, just uh, just two of my brothers that weren't there because of other family commitments. But um, when we got together for the holiday, we noticed that um, me and a couple of my brothers noticed that, hey, your dad's not looking so good. And so, and I, and I said, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And so I talked to my mother and took her aside and she says, I don't know what it is either, but he's, you know, becoming more withdrawn and he's, you know, he's, he's not doing a lot. He had just recently retired in the last year. Well, uh, what we found out was is that my dad had had a TIA, which is a mini stroke sometime previous. And then uh, the night that he found out that my brother died, because um, we were, my mother was there with me and my sister was here with my dad. Um, he had a second. TIA and things kind of really turned downhill from there. 
Um, and so that was December last year. And uh, I've still got my house and, you know, working a full time, but trying to spend as much time over with mom and figure out what's going on over there. And man, I prayed about it. And right around then is, uh, you know, when, when we were hearing, um, you know, from, from Scott, not to put him on a pedestal, but hearing from Scott about uh, about the elderly and what we needed to do as far as taking care of our parents, and then talk about conviction. So uh, I sold my house, I quit my hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar a year job, um, and I moved home to my parents' place, back to Lexington where I grew up on the six-acre farm, to renovate the farm and take care of my parents and homeschool my kid. And praise God again. And it has for been that. the it has been the best thing that has happened to me in forty seven years of life because I know where I am, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm here back with family where it all started. Um, we've been able to do a couple family gatherings and have um, people here, although you know the house is too small for everyone, so we got to rent the, the local lodge and. Um, and it's I'm back beautiful. in the little church that I, the little church that I grew up in, um, when I, uh, in vacation Bible school, my dad's, um, or my, my, uh, my friend's dad, who was the, the pastor, who was a mentor in my life is, um, was now the pastor of that church. And, uh, I get to go worship with, uh, with some people here in the community, people I grew up with. Um, and, uh, I play the piano for worship still. And, God has led me completely 360 degrees from where I thought I was going at one time um, back home. Yeah. And Full circle, right? So that's where I am at. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at home on six acres doing the Patriot Gardens thing. We made a, we had a few gar- huge garden this year. I'm raising my own beef, uh, selling eggs, um, and fixing up the farm for whatever happens next and taking care of dad and, taking care of mom. She's, she's had some health problems over the last few months that, uh, it's, it's a good thing that someone's here because they would have been hurting if, uh, if someone wasn't, wasn't able to be here. So, um, God is faithful. Um, my story is not one that, um, is full of, uh, of anything flashy or, or big, uh, you know, um, Life, a lot of life moving moments, but not not a lot of huge life shattering moments. But but faithfulness, um, God is faithful. Faithfulness to, is what I see um, in your testimony. How yeah. faithful you were yeah. through all those valleys and all the divorces, the way the wayward children, and all the trials. You were, you remained faithful, and that is quite the testimony, sir. Thank you. That that's what I was hearing, Mike. You know. Jason, you're, you're telling us how faithful God is. I'm seeing how faithful you are to God. Um, you've been really, you've really gone through some, uh, some things that I know some of us have gone through as well, but to be as faithful as you are, that is, that is a testament. Yeah, I so agree. Jason, um, I'm wondering if you might want to share a little bit about the trip up the mountain with Isaac. With Isaiah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was a that was a pretty big thing. So we um we had a memorial service for him, and we got people to come, and um and uh, it was a, a few months after he passed, and um 
him and the brother he was staying with, where he was most close with him, with that brother, and uh, kind of left the arrangements up to, to to Tom. And so we tried to give uh, as many family members, uh, my brothers and sisters, the um, the, the ability and the, the information to be able to come at the at the right time, because you know we're we're making a pretty good hike. Um, it's got to be done at the right time of year, so you can get in and get out. That's that's where he wanted his ashes scattered at. And so. Um, it only ended up being three of us that went, uh, myself and my brother, Tom, who's 10 years younger than me. And then my brother, Joel, who's 10 years younger than Tom. Um, so it was kind of a, a, a sample of, of the 11. Um, and it was a tough hike. I, uh, it was, it was us three and one of their hunting buddies. And, uh, we climbed about 2,700 feet in elevation, um, in about four hours. And a lot of it was, uh, was pretty, pretty tough hike. And I had to, um, do some, uh, um, some training before I went, just so I knew I could, I could make it. Um, and we get up there and, and we just get ready to set up camp and the rain starts to come. And, um, we had thunder and lightning and poured on us, but we luckily just gotten our tents up and I had brought a tarp. So we had a tarp over the top of the tent. So we stayed dry, but, uh, it was, it was one heck of a, th- I've never, I've never been in a thunderstorm in the mountains like that. Um, one in, uh, in Utah on my way back from Barge Fest in the middle of the desert that was comparable, but yet, yet been a storm in the, a thunderstorm in the desert, that they're, they're pretty incredible, but we were right in it. The thunders, the lightning's coming down all around us and, you know, we're snug as a bug and a rug underneath our, our tarp and got a little fire going and the sun comes out and we'd have some dinner and we're sitting there talking and we're talking about it as they had. The one thing we hadn't seen the whole trip was we had not seen any elk and, uh, uh, that's that's the that's the reason that we're up there is for the elk and well not for the mountains too but you know hunting season is for the elk and uh um so we're sitting there and my my brother was washing his dishes and he all sudden stems come running back from the stream he says look up on the hill look up on the hill and right on the horizon that we we wouldn't have seen him had we been anywhere anywhere else other than where we placed my brother's um rock and ashes but right up on the horizon there's an elk that comes out and then another and another and another and probably about 30 had an elk walk all the way across. We watched them for over an hour and a half as they walked the skyline from one ridge down into the next. Um, and uh, I just, you know, not that I believe that Isaiah is controlling anything um, up in heaven because I know he's with the father, but uh, it was uh, it was really a blessing to be able to experience that with my brothers. Um, up there as we were uh, we were scattering his ashes and we hadn't actually yet that was that was the night uh, we got up there and then the next morning we did and he was in the military so we gave him a 21 gun salute um, and uh, it was it was quite the time yeah that's awesome oh I just um, have to just say the same as everyone else has said just your faithfulness of you know, everything that you have gone through and that you have remained with the Lord and um, just the support that you've had around you with, you know, your family and then just different things where God has just brought you full circle again, you know, and how he just has this huge canvas that he's painted in your life and you have getting to see glimpses of it being brought together. It's, it's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm so happy that you shared it tonight. 
Well, it's, you know, it, it is, you know, but I don't have first, full, full circle on some things. It's uh, March will be three years since I've talked to my daughter. And uh, yeah. that that's still a hole um, in me that I have to go to the Lord with. Yes. And uh, um, there's there's still a rift because of that between my son and I um, that uh, that I don't know um, until things are healed with me and her that they'll be healed with him and I either. Um, I, um, you know, the verse Proverbs, was it 22, six or 22, three that says train up a child in the way they will go. And then when they're old, they won't depart from it. Um, uh, man, I got to stand on that verse every single day because, um, I, I did teach my kids the right thing. You know, I did have them in Sunday school. I know they heard the salvation message. I know they both, um, in Sunday school made commitments to, for salvation to the Lord. And so um, even though like I did, um, there was a point in my life where I walked away from God and did my own thing. I um, I have to be uh, confident in my hope that um, in the end that um, my kids will come back um, to their knowledge of, yeah. of the Lord as well and their relationship with him. Yeah, that's what we do. We just trust the Lord in it. Which, you know, when you bring up salvation, that's a good a good uh, thing that we're trying to do here, you know, through this Godcast is to just call out for salvation just right on the spot with people. So I think that hearing your story tonight um, has touched a lot of people tonight, and I'm, I know it's going to touch more people that hear it. So thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Um, you know, it brings a question. Do you guys remember where you were when you were saved? Mike, do you remember where you were? Yeah, I remember. I was sitting at my Uncle Brian's house at the dinner table, February 6, 1997. Mm -hmm. Mary? I was in a uh, Alpha class. We were doing a Holy Spirit uh, weekend away, they called it, and it was in November of 2006, and I gave my life over, and I've never regretted it. Jason? Yeah, so um, my first salvation experience, like I said, I was about eight years old in, uh, in vacation Bible school. I remember walking down the aisle um, in the same pews that I get to sit in every Sunday now. Um, but I remember walking down the aisle and you remember um, me talking about being the kind of the outcast in the community. There were other boys there in the community and I remember them snickering and laughing, you know, at me as I was walking down the aisle, but it was real. And I knew it was real. Um, and uh, um, that was when I, that was when I accepted Christ, you know, and uh, baptized shortly after. And then um, another formative experience in my life is because I never was taught about it. But um, when we started going to home churches there, when I was 12 or 13, um, the pastor was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, and so he was talking on it and people, you know, he called people to receive the baptism. And, you know, I'm the oldest uh, teenager there and I'm not, you know, going to get a, going to do anything in front of the other kids, but 
And I can remember coming home that night and uh, just not being able to get that out of my head. And so I opened up my Bible and I read the second chapter of Acts probably about 10 times. Um, and, um, and I got on my knees there in my bedroom um, all by myself in the middle of the night, probably two o'clock in the morning. And I just said, God, if, you know, your, your word says this is a thing. And if, if it's going to give me strength and encouragement in my life, then um, give me strength and encouragement. And uh, um, I didn't see the tongues of fire or, or the uh, or hear a rushing wind, but um, it, I've definitely felt a difference in my relationship with God since that night. Beautiful. I remember I was in the parking lot of where I worked. <laughs> So it just, uh, it goes to show you, God will meet you anywhere. Was that with Shane? Shane was pushing me along the ways, but uh, that wasn't actually Shane. It was, it was um, another brother, Brother David. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like I said, God will meet you anywhere. Yeah. If, if you're asking for salvation, the Lord will meet you wherever you're at. We'll meet you here on the Godcast if that's what you choose. Um, anyone who's listening and, and uh, here live tonight in chat, feel free to chat in where you were saved at. Uh, interesting for others to know as well. So if I can, I want to go into salvation now. And I, Romans, uh, if I can read Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that is your desire, if you'd like to do that now tonight, we'd like to open up the call-ins for you. So please call in, and we have a Bible verse that you can repeat and become safe tonight. And we also have a prayer of surrender that you can find on our Telegram page. This is an official Godcast. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So if you've not called in and you're listening to this as a recording, uh, please feel free to email us at thisisanofficialgodcast at gmail.com, and we can help you with that um, privately if you'd like. Uh, we can call you and talk to you on the phone. Uh, you can also go to this is an official Godcast on telegram.com and you'll find Romans 10, 9 through 10 there in print. Also a prayer of surrender. And all you need is you, yourself, quiet space, and Jesus will meet you right where you're at, no matter where you're at. Uh, before we close out, uh, I see there are a couple more people here that weren't here in the beginning. So just to go over a couple more announcements and what we have coming up in the next few weeks on January 27th, we have Duncan McGregor will be here and February 3rd, we have the Con Lee. I have mentioned uh, recently a new sign on February 17th. We're going to have Ezra Snow. That's Thomas Chanley. And on uh, February 10th, we're going to have a special night. Stay tuned to that. We'll go over that next week a little bit. And uh, for anyone that's listening, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, please let's not forget that we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that's to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So if there is someone that you love, someone that you know that does not know God, that does not know Jesus, please, I encourage you to share this Godcast with them.
allow them to listen to the testimonies that are here. And we're hoping that that it will encourage someone and bring them closer to the cross. And um, we'll do anything that we can to help that person. Uh, please get in touch with myself, Mike, or Mary through email. We have Bibles that we can give you. We have uh, mentors, both men and women, to help out in our discipleship program, the Shore Up. And we'd love to be there and rejoice in your salvation. Uh, Mary, Mike, do you guys have anything before we close out? Um, no, that sounded really good, all of the announcements. And I don't have anything. Um, just I've made note of some people who have um, expressed um, prayer request in the chat that I've caught. So I'll get that for uh, the prayer when we end here shortly. Okay, before we go to prayer. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. No, that's fine. Um, I just want to say thanks again, Jason, for sharing your story. It, um, I can see even in the chat that you've connected with some people and uh, God will use your testimony and your life and just thank you for your faithfulness to him and that is a testimony in itself thanks bert absolutely yes thank you jason for being here we love you brother um also tonight right here on podbean friday night has happened you have no need to go anywhere else 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central we have the conley show at nine o'clock eastern 8 p.m central bars fm 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. We have Kilted Christian, my favorite show. And at 12 a.m. midnight and 11 p.m. Central, Fishers of Men to finish off the night. So stay right here on Podbean. Uh, Mary, if you will, close us out. Okay. Thank you again, Jason. Well, Lord, just want to thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had to share your story with Jason. And so I, I want to thank you. Thank you that you have given him, um, have shown him your faithfulness in his life. And um, I just, I want to lift up Jason um, and just your family, you know, and her and Jason's daughter and son and Lord, we just ask for um, just some clarity to be just poured on those kids. And we just pray for the truth to be known, for their eyes to be opened. I pray for a reconciliation with Jason and his kids. And well, and Jared, I, I pray that his heart will be at peace too, and that he will be able to um, even if it's just a bridging a gap there. So Lord, just work in his heart as well. And I also want to lift up Jason's mom and her sciatic nerve. Jason had reached out earlier about that. And so we want to pray for uh, relief from pain from her uh, sciatic nerve there. And also want to pray for Jeff didn't, Jeff from Kilted didn't say this, Lord, in the chat, but I caught on that maybe he might need a little relief from his pain too, from working so hard. So Lord, we just ask for uh, just some relief and pain and for Jeff as well. And for Connie Seacline, some people know her as that, relief from her back and leg pain, Lord. So we ask that you 
just send her some relief too. And anybody that's in pain, that just your peace will reign over them more than anything. And that even through the struggles that they're facing right now, Lord, that they will find a way to spend some really close time with you in it, and they'll be drawn closer to you. And uh, I also want to pray for Jenny, and uh, she's been experiencing some spiritual attacks. So we just pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that anything from the enemy that would just be at work in her life would just be, his plans would just be thrown to the ground, Satan. You cannot have that family. And Lord, I also want to lift up uh, Ron and his boy's grandpa, Tim, and um, we just pray against this uh, diagnosis of throat cancer. We, we pray a, a healing for Tim. We pray against anything from the enemy that would just be working in his body. We pray the Lord Jesus Christ's blood over Tim. We pray his your healing, Lord, over Tim, but also peace over the kids that they they will always be looking to you and they know you, Lord. And so I just pray that they'll be drawn closer to you through this. And I pray that Tim's heart would be open to you, Lord, and that, you know, that's the most important thing among anything else. And so we just pray that that somehow you would just be reaching out in this great plan of yours to bring people onto yourself, Lord. And so we pray that through this struggle that he's having right now, that he will just find his way to you, Lord. And so we just pray a blessing upon that family as well. And Lord, um, also I see that Jaja here, um, was wanting some prayers for her son while he is away. So we just pray a, a hedge of protection around her and her family and her kids. And we pray uh, the angels will be on guard and protecting him. And, you know, Lord, anything that, um, we just want to pray for anybody who's hearing this right now above anything that they would just be drawn to you and that you would get all of the glory in every story that's told in this and that people would be drawn to you and that you are the most important thing jesus you're you are it you're the story you are the story lord and so we just praise you and we thank you for just this opportunity to to talk about you and how you've just you know how you've just gone in our lives just like you're so faithful and we just love you lord and we just pray that your work be done through this and that whoever hears this in this message right wherever you're at that the lord loves you and just know that and we just pray all of these things that have been spoken and ones that are not spoken tonight you know lord so we just pray in agreement with all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. Hey, Ron, Mike. before we close out, could I, could I share a scripture reference? Yes. Please. 
So um, I didn't I didn't share a whole lot of scripture, but um, I would encourage anyone who's experiencing any type of discouragement or adversity in your life um, to read Romans chapter eight um, through multiple times in my life. God has led me back to certain verses or to that whole chapter. Um, and uh, I had it memorized at one time, but I'm going to read a few verses. Romans eight one says there is no there is therefore. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, as it was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it and hoped that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Um, and then 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then verse 31 um, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And that says it all right there. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jason. We love you, brother. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you, Jason. Mike, Mary, I just want to thank you both for being here with me tonight. You're both a blessing in my life, and I love you both very much. Uh, Jason, it was such a pleasure to get to know you even better, and I uh, look forward to having you on again. Uh, I'm sure that we will, um, at one point, have you back on here, and that's going to be a beautiful thing again. Uh, Michael, Mary, thank you guys again. Everybody, thank you for being here. Yes. It's such a pleasure to know each and every one of you. Thank yes. you for being part of this family. Uh, we love you all. Maggie, we love you, brother. Uh, good to see Thank you guys. You. Always. Thank you, and, uh, everybody. We're going to close out with some music. Uh, feel free to chat. And if there's anything that we can help you along the way with, please get in touch with us. We're always here for you guys. We love you. Yes, we love you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, guys.
All right, guys. We'll see you next Friday. Thank you all for being here. Good night. Good night.